A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Everyone in our country has a voice. It's something that says not just where you come from, but who you are. Welcome to NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of podcasts and a celebration of the hosts in journalism who've always spoken truth to power. Our voices are as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, and stories should never be about us without us. Find NPR Black Stories, Black Truths on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Jada Pinkett Smith, and this is the Red Table Talk podcast. All your favorite episodes from the Facebook Watch Show in audio. Produced by Westbrook Audio and iHeartRadio. Please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Ooh! Yeah! All right. See this? This is skills. Now watch, watch, right? Boom! Uh, all right. I'm warming up for my Red Table Takeover. I've invited five extraordinary women from one of the most famous families in the world that have invaluable life lessons. Very special guests. You are not going to want to miss this one. Stay right there. Boom. This is exciting, Willard. This is very exciting. This is a very special red table. It is for a very special movie that you are starring in. We have Venus and Serena, and they're they're around here somewhere. I always wonder why you come like to the red table before I do my takeovers. Are you concerned? I am always concerned. It's just that last minute of grounding. Yes. <laughs> so I don't break the red table. That's right. Okay. You do great red I table great. takeovers. Yes. It's Will Smith's red table this t- is takeover. Will's, yeah. So technically. You're trespassing. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I'm trying to get out of here. I'm just saying, technically. I'm technically, just saying. The sign, it says Will Smith's Red Table Takeover. I see it. Right? So I'm just here to just say That's hi like to a folks. no trespassing sign that you walked past. <laughs> this guy. Do I look good? Do I, how do, do I look? This this the right? No, I'm in. Right. <laughs> that has to be weird when somebody played your father. Can you imagine yeah, how weird that? Yeah. That has to be weird. 
And you did such a great job. Kudos. Kudos. You know, you don't use that word a lot. I don't. I don't use kudos. Kudos is not really a Negronic word. We don't say that. Our people don't say kudos. That's true. Kudos is up there with touche. (laughs) (laughs) You want to bring them out? They're here, Venus and Serena. We're going to start. They're ready? Everybody's ready? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, Venus and and Serena Serena Williams. Yes. Pretty colors. Look at the table. Yes. Have a seat. I just came in here. To... Jada, just right. right here. Making sure everything goes right. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say hi. <laughs> I love you. Have a good one. All right. Let us begin Dive with in. what brings us to the table. So I have a new movie coming out November 19th in theaters and on HBO Max called King Richard. And, you know, I I play your dad and uh, you two are executive producers of the film, along with uh, your sister Isha. And let's roll the trailer. Let's check the trailer out first so people know what we're talking about. Now I don't even mind you saying we hard on these kids. You know why? Because we are. That's our job to keep them off these streets. You want to check on the kids? Let's check on the kids. We got future doctors and lawyers, plus a couple tennis stars in this house. The chances of achieving the kind of success that you're talking about, it's just very, very unlikely. Okay, you're making a mistake, but I'm gonna let you make it. Watch me hit a few balls. All right. So tell me your names again. I'm Venus. I'm Serena. So what'd you think? I wrote me a 78-page plan for their whole career before they was even born. Yeah, baby, yeah! <laughs> These girls so great, how come I've never heard of them? They're from Compton. It's okay. They're just not used to seeing good-looking peoples like us. I think you might just have the next Michael Jordan. Oh, no, brother man. I got me the next, too. This next step you about to take, you're not going to just be representing you. You're going to be representing every little black girl on Earth. They're not going to let you doubt. How could you? This world ain't never had no respect for Richard Williams, but they're going to respect y'all. You walk out there with your head up. You are a champion, and the whole world know it. The most dangerous creature on this whole earth. It's a woman who know how to think. Yes, Daddy. Ain't nothing she can't do. You gonna show them how dangerous you are? Yes! (laughs) Venus and Serena gonna shake up this world. Wow. What does that feel like? It's really overwhelming. You know, it never gets old. It's definitely surreal, and uh, it's definitely super, super emotional. What was interesting for me, that was the the most terrifying part, so you both are executive producers Mm -hmm. of the film, but you withheld whether or not you were going to be executive producers (laughs) till you saw the film. I was like, oh, It's a complicated story yes. to tell. And yeah. as you know, my dad is such a, I always say he's before his time, down to just marketing and even just to put us in a sport that was 
completely a white sport. And then to say that we were going to be the best at it, it was something that no one had ever done before. So, um, and you know, Hollywood can be, you know, they could get yeah. it right or they can get, get it wrong, it wrong. sometimes. <laughs> and so, you know, we were a little bit That's nervous. That's a nice way. And, yeah, that was a nice yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We wanted our story to make yeah. sure that it would be something that was really. That we were proud of. And you yeah. did an unbelievable job. How did you feel? Thank like, you, I mean, thank like, you, thank like, you. how do you feel when you see it? For me, um, you know, I wanted to honor the two of you and to honor your family in a way that would resonate with your heart forever. I did it with Muhammad Ali, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to do it. And Muhammad Ali asked me personally, you know. Really? Yeah. How do you say no? It is such a daunting task. What you guys represent in the world and what you've created. Your story is one of the most inspirational mm -hmm. stories in American history. And you know, when you make a movie, it's, it's an opportunity to, it's like you take a snapshot that lasts forever, mm -hmm. you yeah, know? So, exactly. and you just don't want to take a terrible picture of such beautiful subjects. You know, you well, know. you didn't. You did an yeah. amazing job, yes. Your dad is a lot like my dad, mm. where, like, everything was a was lesson. A lesson. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, there were a lot of lessons. Was, yeah, I could finish that sentence. Yeah. I where we're going with that, yeah. And it's crazy because I've kind of become like that with, mm -hmm. with my kids also. What were some of the foundational lessons that you felt like were being instilled? My mom and dad, they wanted us to be able to handle whatever life came at us. So mm -hmm. the way we approached tennis was also how you approach life. Yeah. Like when you get on the court, you never accept defeat. You give it your all. You find a way. Mm -hmm. And that translated to life as well. They wanted us to be champions in life. And it, it turned out pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. The first lesson for us was spirituality, put God first, and that gave us an opportunity to actually be better at what we do mm -hmm. because we were able to realize as much as you want it, this is just work and a job. There's so much more and bigger things in life. That's the foundational lesson that has literally helped us to maintain our mental health. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what does that mean for you putting God first? How does the, the thought of God affect training and being yeah. on the court and interacting with people. That's a difficult idea. It does. Idea. It really affects in every single decision you make. Mm -hmm. How do you treat this person or how do you even approach a match? It almost takes a little pressure off of you because mm -hmm. you know, like, okay, nobody wants to win this match more than me. But for us, there's something much bigger that we believe in and that we know is true. Yeah. So at the end of the day, as much as that moment means to us, mm -hmm. we always have the giant, most biggest pillow to fall back on. Yeah. yeah, I remember I was playing this match, this infamous match at Indian Wells in the yeah. final. A 20-year-old Venus and a 19-year-old Serena were set to face off in the semifinal of the Indian Wells Masters Tournament. Just four minutes before this highly anticipated match, Venus shocked tennis fans when she suddenly withdrew from the tournament, citing tendonitis in her knee. Rumors spread that Venus's last-minute cancellation was pre-planned by their father, Richard, and intended to give Serena a leg up. Two days later, events took an ugly turn when Richard, Venus, and Serena were met with angry fans and relentless boos. Wow. 
I mean, it was hard. And I just remember I was losing and I didn't even care. I was like, I don't want to win. I just want to get out of this with dignity mm -hmm. and not just walk off the court and not just start bawling right there at that moment. And literally every changeover, I sat down and I prayed. I was like, just help me get through this. Just, just help me step on that court and just help me. I'm not even trying to win. I just want to get on that court and I just want to just finish the match. Mm -hmm. I know that I got strength and not only did I, I somehow came back and won that match and I was able to just to get through that moment and it really has helped us in so many different ways in our career. Indian Wells, that was a, that was a rough. That uh, was a rough one for me, yeah. yeah. And yeah. It, was, it was so hard because I'll never forget driving back and Tundi was there and I just remember getting in the car and I was just bawling. I was mm -hmm. at the gas station. There was no celebration and I was just like crying and crying and crying. And, even when I went back 14 years later, it was very traumatizing. It was wow. like really, yeah. post talk about post-traumatic stress mm -hmm. and, and mental anxiety. I remember sitting in the bathroom thinking, okay, wait, I'm not gonna go back. I, I, I just don't think I should do this. Like, what if they start booing me again? Because right, it, right. it was really hard for me. We've had to face different things that quite frankly, no one has been able to face in tennis, you know, right. and it's been very, very difficult. That's why we relate so much to each other. I actually was more upset that they were booing my sister when she came down the wall. Like, why are you booing her? Like, that makes no sense, you know? And my dad, too, yeah. as well. Yeah. That guy, yeah. like, you, one thing about me, I'm fiercely loyal <laughs> to yeah. a fault. Like, I'm the kind of person that I'm with you, make a mistake, I'm with you, I'm, I'm with you, but then when I'm done, I'm done, you yeah, know? Yeah. yeah, How do you handle losses? Like, what are, do you... Not well. <laughs> really? You're so good at it. Really? Oh my God, yeah. Worse and worse. I'm already planning like that moment, mm -hmm. what I'm going to do. I dream about it that night. Mm -hmm. No one likes to lose, but I, I can't stand it. And especially in tennis, it's just you. Mm -hmm. You feel like, gosh, I have to look even deeper inside. I thought I had it right. I thought I was doing the right thing, but I got to go even deeper, work even harder to figure out how to win this match. So mm -hmm. not well. Of course, it's, it's always you give your best. And yeah. I think that's what Serena and I can always, and probably most players, not all, mm -hmm. but can feel like even though I lost, I did give my best. I prepared the best that I could. Maybe I didn't do it right, but you can sleep at night with that thought. Of course, mm -hmm. you want to be better, but you mm -hmm. can sleep at night. What was the one that hurt the most? All of them. What are... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> we always have amazing moments in the locker room yeah. afterwards. <laughs> it's mostly, especially after losses. Because <laughs> it's like you just really are angry and then mm -hmm. only person that can understand is you know, Venus. What are the lessons that you've gotten from each other? Everything. I think my most powerful lesson from Serena was I was like this person with a lot of talent, but I didn't have like that extra heart to kind of go past the line. I recognize that in myself. And mm -hmm. by watching Serena, I was able to learn how to get that because she just was fearless. Mm -hmm. And so I watched and I said, OK, I need that part. And I learned it. But it's so cool that you recognize that mm -hmm. in yourself. Yeah, you know? I recognize that. And I learned it quickly. Wow. And... I was just watching her do it because mm -hmm. I saw, wow, she's got it. That's what I want. I always liken it to the Grinch. Remember at the end, mm -hmm. grows his, he got this little heart. You got it. But then, like, it, like, boom, it grows. I swear, that was me. Uh, oh. <laughs> also, I don't like Christmas, but go on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. What do you feel is one of the lessons you got from Venus? Um... Well, <laughs> I don't usually, I don't apply the lessons that I <laughs> So is it a lesson if you don't learn it right? She's so classy and I'm so like crazy. <laughs> you know, playing her is 
so annoying yeah. because it's like here I am like screaming my eyes out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the eyes and, are on the ground. And she's like, you hit a shot and you know, even if it's a winner, she'll just like go to the next shot. And I'm just like, aren't you mad? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the most frustrating thing in the world because yeah. she just keeps his face and I didn't apply any of those lessons. (laughs) None of those lessons applied, so I'm still learning. For me, the experience as an actor, you, it's almost like you put on Mm -hmm. a person. So like, what is that for you? Because you really enveloped and became Richard Williams. It was, was that um, that is such a compliment from you, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) I like for for the the daughter of the person you're playing. Yeah, that is the ultimate compliment as an actor. Mm. So thank you. Um, I understand him. My father was from that same generation. Your father was a hustler the way that my father was and always a new business and always a new idea and slamming into wall after wall, reading your father's book and looking at all of the tape and really diving into his mind. One of the lines was, this world ain't never had no respect for Richard Williams. Yeah. But they gonna respect y'all. Yeah. yeah. You know, as you're you know, growing and the years move on in this business and you see more and more and you learn more and more, what are the things that you will not tolerate Zero, anymore? literally nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Come for me if you want to. <laughs> I always say I don't start anything, but please don't start anything with me. Cause, mm-hmm. And I won't yell and scream, but it'll end. Yeah, no, yeah, this girl is... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the nicest person in the world, but I just don't like to be disrespected. So, mm-hmm. And I think when you're younger, you don't realize that you have those options to say no. And as you grow up and understand more, you're like, I, I can say no. I actually don't have to take this. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful feeling. You know, that concept of, of uh, mental health and what actually is the responsibility of athletes in terms of the press. Your father was really uh, ahead of his time. He was. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile... The ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, And then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do 
find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone in our country has a voice. It's something that says not just where you come from, but who you are. Welcome to NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of podcasts and a celebration of the hosts in journalism who've always spoken truth to power. Our voices are as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, and stories should never be about us without us. Find NPR Black Stories, Black Truths on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. There was a video that even before I was going to do the the movie the one no the famous one with the the uh no i'm not gonna spring nothing on you <laughs> she's like oh don't you red table <laughs> me will. We leave <laughs> 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 no the um the one with your father and the reporter mm-hmm. when oh yeah man. do we have that video oh, oh we- i actually have never watched it i know i can beat her you know you can beat her very confident I'm very confident. You say it so easily. Why? Because I believe it. Cut back here if you don't mind. And let me tell you what. What she has said, she said it with so much confidence the first time. But if you keep going on and on. Listen, we can't keep interrupting. I mean, if you want. You got to understand that you're dealing with an image of a 14 year old child. And this child going to be out there playing when your old ass and me going to be in the grave. When she says something, we done told you what's happening. You did it with a little black kid and let her be a kid. She done answered it with a lot of confidence. Leave that alone. <laughs> so, I've actually never watched that since that day. Really? Yeah. It was intense. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking, gosh. How did you gosh, feel? Like, did you I'm feel thinking, pressure? I'm thinking, well, or? I'm going to just sit here. Really? Yeah. And he was badgering me. And he looked like he maybe was enjoying it. But <laughs> 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 he's like, but are you confident? 
<laughs> like, what's going on, dude? Now at this age, I would understand, like, I don't have to answer. I'd be like, dude, move on or not. Mm -hmm. Or I will. Yeah. yeah, that's what I would say now. I'm just thinking, yeah, they don't know my dad. That video, I saw that at a critical parenting point in my life. Really? If you notice your face, you got a little bit of a smirk, right? <laughs> but you have no fear. What that showed me, it was like you were a little girl who had a lion. And you don't want to sick your lion on nobody. You know, you want to, I, I, I wish we could talk, but if you go too far, my lion yeah. will destroy you. Well, I knew what was going to happen. Like, I knew what was coming. Mm -hmm. Like, they didn't know. They found out. But the best part, I think, we, you know, I kept answering the question is because we had been under pressure before. We had been under pressure in the court. We had been under pressure. My dad made us answer questions like, why does the rich man get richer and the poor man gets poorer? Meanwhile, you're like five years old right. and you have to answer. You can't mm -hmm. say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So we were long prepared for the pressures that we would deal with in life before we like stepped into these interviews or stepped into a classroom or wherever. You, you find pressure everywhere in yeah, life. Yeah. That was kind of a good example, not only of having the protection, but also being ready for the world. It was such a beautiful thing. And it, it changed how I related with my children. My father was a lion also, right? But he would bite me every once in a while. And what I saw in your eyes was that you had a lion, but he would never bite you. You, were, you had no fear of the lion biting you, <laughs> right? And, and I was like, I wanted to be a lion for my children, but I didn't want them to feel that they'd accidentally get swiped sometimes in my rage. Right, um, and that's where you learn from. Yeah. There's a, a line between like getting swiped and also pressure yeah. and pushing. You've got to read the kid. You've got to know if this kid can take it or not and how you approach it. It wasn't necessarily that liberal in my home. Like yeah, yeah, you, you yeah. kind of just had to get with the program, which, yeah. <laughs> which is good too. Yeah. Some of your uh, biggest fans heard you were coming here to the Aww. Red Table, so they had some questions Ooh, of their really? own. This uh, is fun. This one comes from a trailblazing champion sister, so let's hear it. Okay, <laughs> I love this. The impact that Venus and Serena have made, not only in sports, but in life, have made a huge impact on my entire career. They've paved the way for black athletes as well as black women. I can't thank them enough and I'm really grateful that I have them to look up to. I wish we were friends, but I am pretty much just a big fan of them. I do remember meeting both Venus and Serena um, at separate times, and I was just amazed at how tall they were. <laughs> if I could have any life advice from Venus and Serena, it would be how do you keep going, especially when you need a mental health break. That was so amazing. I want to be friends like, with her too. We're besties. <laughs> We're definitely gonna be friends. Yeah, that's a good question. Simone being in um, gymnastics, that huge moment is once every four years. Our huge moment is four times every year. Yeah, yeah. So for us, if we needed a break, I remember one time in 2006, I just took the whole year off. For me, when it comes to like Grand Slams. Um, Sometimes I push maybe too far. You right. know, I just always keep going. Athletes live very unbalanced lives. And for me, that having a moment alone yeah. and be watching like 
I don't know, something silly, mm -hmm. just for like an hour, mm -hmm. half an hour. And that kind of balances me out. It's a silly, simple thing, but then it helps me get ready for the next day. That's my prep for the next day. Yeah. I think just asking yourself a question like, how, how do I want to remember this moment? How do I want to handle this moment? If I look back in 10 years, how will I feel about this? I didn't know you asked yourself that question. I, I asked myself the exact same question. Yeah. How am I going to feel in 10 years? Yeah. Um, looking back on this moment, is it going to be worth it or right. is it not going to be worth it? I think also like life is about failures, right? Yeah. You just yeah. fail and it's okay. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think just that acceptance and failure is fine because even when you look back, in those 10 years, mm -hmm. even if you failed, if you just gave it your all with what you had that day, mm -hmm. that's still perfect. But also fine. what you learn from that. Yes. I become my best player every time I lose. Yeah. I learn from what happened in that loss, mm -hmm. and I generally try to really make leaps and bounds from that loss. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people are afraid to lose if they start winning or they're afraid to fail. Like, I know I was in that right. position, but that doesn't... I don't even like the word, like, it's not a failure. It's just like, you, you, you slipped and then you'll get back up. Yeah. I think a lot of it too is just taking out whatever the hell other people think. Mm -hmm. When you let go of that, you are free. You yeah. are so free to just do you. I think you always have to check yourself and ask that question. Am I getting too caught up in what Sally and Bobby and Billy think? Yeah. And like, what matters to me? And like, let's pursue that path. Do you ever get caught up in what people say and think? Or? This is a, a new place in my life, but that was really a difficult thing for me in my heyday. Being an actor is, is it's like... It's a long heyday. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> but getting stuck on the movie having to be number one and having to break box office records is... It's, it's crazy-making, right? Because... I had to learn to, to, I had to learn to transition from other people's opinion of the movie and whether it's successful and all of that to, well, did I like it? Did I have a great time making it? And did I put something in the world that I'm proud of no matter how people react to it. But that's gotta be tough though, because there have to be times where you wanna take a role because it has significance to you or yeah because of the quality of the script or whatever, and it may not necessarily be a movie that everyone wants to see or whatever right. it is. Absolutely. So that's, that's gotta be hard for your like creative. Yeah, no, no, Sam Jackson said it best. He said, I do one for them, one for me. Oh, right? I, thought gonna, <laughs> I thought you were gonna do the snakes quote. Oh, snail, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of love out there for you. And here's some more famous fans. My relationship with Venus and Serena goes back to the 90s, getting to sneak you out to parties, <laughs> make sure you're getting back in time because you had to play. Always so much fun. I'm so proud of you and just in awe of both of you for what you've achieved and what you've done for women around the world, not just women of color. Okay. I can't wait to see this film and I really love you both so much. So the world knows Serena and Venus Williams as the GOATs. But I feel lucky to know Serena as one of my closest friends on this planet. She is an extraordinary athlete, obviously. But she's also an extraordinary friend and mother and partner and leader. And she's also the most organized person I know. She is a force and somebody who <laughs> I, I deeply, deeply admire and love. 
Well, I'm one of the millions of fans around the world that they have. They are icons of this sport. I also consider myself a friend. I remember this one night when we won the Wimbledon trophies, both Serena and I, and I dared Serena to dance with me. She was all game for it, and she's always game for, for any kind of fun. But we had a lot of fun, a lot of, lot of laughs. Everything they do on and off the court is truly inspiring. A sport owes so much to Williams sisters. Their perseverance is incredible. The willingness to uh, continue to write the history books of our, of our sport is something that truly motivates me and many others to uh, follow their footsteps. That was fantastic. I love it. Incredible. Love you guys. So without Venus and Serena and Richard, this next fan would have never dreamed so big. So check it out. Hi, it's Coco, Serena and Venus. They are people that I look up to, but they're also my competitors, which is crazy that I can say that. You know, I felt like that was such a far-fetched dream. I remember when I played Venus at Wimbledon and on Australian Open, both times I had to tell myself not to look at the scoreboard because I would be starstruck playing doubles with Venus. That was such a cool experience as a little girl, and even now, it was so important for me to see two successful black women dominating a sport that is predominantly white. It let me believe that I can do that too. Also the impact that Mr. Williams continues to leave on the world. My dad is also my coach as well. I'm seeing a black dad push the boundaries and something that my family definitely looks up to. They're definitely fierce competitors on the court, but off the court, they're both really nice people and really funny, goofy people. <laughs> the advice that I would um, like to have from them how were they able to balance dominating the sport and also dealing with all the naysayers and the critics? First of all, I love Coco. She's so sweet and mm -hmm. uh, she really yeah, works so hard. Yeah, my other doubles partner. Yeah, I know. The only doubles partner I won't break legs. Because <laughs> she partners with Venus. Well, I was okay. like, well, very possessive here. I was like, Serena, you know, we're gonna we want to play doubles, but I want to make sure you don't want to play yeah. first. Like, is it okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm really happy for you guys. Have fun. Um, Naysayers for me, I just don't hear them. And I think Venus put it best this year. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I my never, goodness. I know every single person asking me a question can't play as well as I can and never will. So no matter what you say or what you write, you'll never light a candle to me. Yes. And it was so true. <laughs> like, everyone that's saying something, oh, that, successful people or someone that's doing something in their life, they're not bringing you down. It's usually someone that is either jealous or unhappy or want to be you. That's me. my thing. It's like yeah. with, with movie critics. It was like, what you, movie never, did you, make? you never said one line <laughs> in one of one camera you won't criticize. Right? Just, I need you to shh. Exactly. I need you to exactly. be quiet. Exactly. I, play a hate in front of the sideline. Mm -hmm. so, exactly. It's just focus on you. Mm -hmm. And that's all you can control. Everything else, it's all background noise. Yeah. And you know what? You're not doing anything if people aren't talking about you in right. a negative way. So yeah. I look at it as a plus. Like, okay, cool. So that means that I'm doing something if yeah. you're unhappy. So, yeah, it's just the world that we live in. People yeah, can just be so mean sometimes. But yes. at the end of the day, you go home with you. You don't go home with, you know, these people that are being cruel. Mm -hmm. I'm so good at blocking it out. I don't yeah, just, I yeah, just hear yeah. nothing. I actually only hear positive things. That's how good I am. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. You can't even hear it. I don't even, it doesn't even. That's fantastic. Yeah. Venus and Serena didn't get to the top alone. Everyone in the close-knit Williams family was there every step of the way. Mom Oracine coached them to a record-breaking 149 titles, including 44 Grand Slams and eight gold medals. Their three sisters gave their unconditional support and each found success in their own lane. 
Lindrea as a stylist and costumer, Isha as a lawyer and businesswoman, their beloved oldest sister, Yatunde, was a nurse and owned a beauty salon. She tragically lost her life in 2003. We know family is everything for you, so for their first interview together ever, welcome the matriarch of the family, Orsine Price and Serena and Venus's sisters, Isha and Lindrea. Hi. Yeah, hey. Hello, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Come on in. Where are we? Good to see you. Thank you for, awesome. for doing this. I know this is a, this is a, a first. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you got it. You rolling your eyes already. You rolling your eyes already. <laughs> a new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone in our country has a voice. It's something that says not just where you come from, but who you are. Welcome to NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of podcasts and a celebration of the hosts in journalism who've always spoken truth to power. Our voices are as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, and stories should never be about us without us. Find NPR Black Stories, Black Truths on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. 
We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. For everyone at home, Isha and Lynn actually worked on the film, so they were there every single day um, as a, essentially a quality control. <laughs> so Richard Williams comes to you two years before. Because no, because this is an important question. This is really this is the only reason I wanted to do this red table. This is the one question. This is the one question. Oh, no. Here we go. Here we go. Two years before, and says we need to have two more kids, and they're gonna be the number one and the number two tennis players on earth. I got a 78 page plan, and I put it together. And you said, okay. What was in the pitch that made you believe that this was real and true and possible? Fiction. Fiction? <laughs> I'm sure she thought he was totally insane. But, you know, my dad is... He's, convincing? Uh, no, he's very convincing. He's, he's very convincing. <laughs> that I will definitely... And he, he's a, a marketer before his time. Yeah. Yes. The one thing he knew was marketing mm-hmm. and branding. So mm-hmm. he marketed and branded her into it, and there uh, we are. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get people to understand how amazing it is. This family knew that this was going to happen, and everyone was doing it together, right? Everyone did it together. The ongoing tenacity of my dad to never give up Mm -hmm. and never stop, you know, Mm -hmm. don't miss a day, six days a week, rain or shine, go out and chase the dream. So it wasn't just talking about it. There was the Mm -hmm. execution part of it that Mm -hmm. had to happen, Mm -hmm. and that was the part where my mom was so critical. Because my dad is very much a visionary, very 10,000-foot view. You know, this is... Yeah, this is the dream. But how do you get to that idea? It was something that we did together Mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. Every day. My mom was always like, listen, if this is going to happen, we have to do it together. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. you can't have it disjointed. This person over here doing one thing, this person over here doing another thing. It doesn't... It, you, it, you can't execute that way. So it You had have to, to be, be a bad. unit. Yeah. And you have to yeah. work on the same line. It's like an assembly line. And it has to be strong. It's the verse in the Bible, uh, a perfect bond and union is love. Mm-hmm. And you have to show that love. And then you have to work together and bond it together and make sure it happened. And then the most important thing is no doubt and no fear. Wow. So I never doubted. Mm-hmm. When people would say... Uh, yeah, they, they think they're going to do this. When people are like that, you line your way from those kind of people. Mm-hmm. You can you move forward to where your goal is. And we had a goal. It wasn't money. It was just a, a way of life that we wanted for the girls. Mm-hmm. And we wanted something better 
Because when we first moved to Compton, my head dropped because I didn't want to move there. I never lived in a neighborhood like that before in my life. Mm-hmm. But each step, you grow and you grow and you get stronger. It built your character and it builds them to be make them strong. And like now we see people that they just want everything given. Mm. Uh, you have to have a foundation so you can be strong because you don't have a good foundation, you're going to shatter. Mm-hmm. So that's very important. And it's nothing easy, mm-hmm. but you don't doubt yourself. It's cool. It was. It, it really was a family effort. Mm-hmm. And um, not to be the comedian here, but <laughs> <laughs> I am. So, <laughs> you know, we all played tennis. And then mm-hmm. when it kind of narrowed down to myself and Venus, they were out there every day picking up balls. Lynn may have skipped a day or two. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Lynn didn't miss any days on set. <laughs> Lynn, <didn't. laughs> Lynn was working Not wardrobe. Not a lot. Tell them. Yeah. <laughs> she Aww, didn't miss a day on didn't set, miss but a you day. did hide under the bed. I just remember, I didn't want to go out in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to go out in the rain, and it was cold. And, <laughs> and I was five. Or, I was five. Like, I could fit under the bed, so I did. <laughs> <laughs> we had each other, and I think... That's what our bond is so strong now. It wasn't even a doubt. Like, it wasn't like, are are we going to make it? It was like, all right, when we get to this age, this is what we're going to do. It was never like, is it going to happen? It never was. Is it not going to happen? It was like, this is going to happen, and this is what's next. One time I heard Venus say, someone asked her a question about, like, you know, how did you know? She was like, I think our parents kind of brainwashed us Mm -hmm. into just believing that it was gonna happen. They made up this game. We would play outside and they would hit tennis balls with their hand. And they'd be like, I'm playing French Open. They would play these different tournaments, but they were just hitting with their hands these balls, all three of them. And it was just kind of like, yeah, like, who are you? Okay, I'm this, I'm this person, you know. But part of that was just this unending knowing just the knowing that this was going to happen. So I have a question yeah. that I never asked. So, um, <laughs> we here. Mum, just a question. So, for example, we've always were told we were going to be able to do whatever we wanted and be able to, so we believed it. Because when you're a kid, your parents are your biggest role models, the people you believe in. And so that was just what we believed. We're like in this bubble. But how did you all know that, it, without a doubt, it would happen? I think Richard knew when he first taught me how to play tennis. So he knew we had good genetics? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me explain it to you. Let me explain it to you. See, when, a, when, when, a, when an athlete uh, make kids with another athlete, you got to expect that it's going to be athlete. You know, that's, that, that's, not, that's not an uncommon thing to understand. Know. You know, it's very simple. Good job. <laughs> good job. Venus Williams, who is your best friend? You, Daddy. Serena Williams, who is your best friend? Venus. Then you. Then you. After Venus. (laughs) Literally, the job that you did was unbelievable. And the integrity you brought to the set and the way that you made everyone on set feel. I don't think that that gets talked about enough. It's not like you really consider yourself Will Smith. Mm -hmm. Like, you come ready to work and work harder than everybody else. And that's what we're Mm -hmm. used to. It was really special for me because it was my first time as a producer. And... I was there to make sure the story was told right Mm -hmm. because that was the charge I was given by my family. They were like, if this is going to happen, then we need to have, like, boots on the ground. It was important to get it right and to be authentic because my mother, 
charges us with honesty all the time. Mm. What was the reaction that you had seeing Tundi depicted in the, in the film? Oh, I think I cried the whole time. Mm -hmm. Whenever she came on film, I just, personally, I just started, like, getting, I mean, even still. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was a quiet moment. Yeah. I think, because we know how it was and then how, it, you know, it just, it was just something that you kind of try to put in the back of your mind and don't want to remember. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But I just... I miss her because when I, I could tell on Isha with her. <laughs> <laughs> Isha, was, Isha was so bossy, and I'd be like, Tessie, <laughs> Tessie, <laughs> get her. Get Can you get Isha, please? And Tessie would be like, I'm on it. Yeah. And Isha, she loved to have fun, too. She yeah, knew how to have fun. She, she really was original Team V. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Before there was a TV, she was TV. Oh, yeah. We have the tissues somewhere. We get those. You can tell who the weepers are. No, Venus and I are weepers. We're just more introverted weepers. <laughs> what? Mm -hmm. This doesn't even make sense. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. I didn't see any refutes from V, though. So. See, our mom is a G. She's like, I don't need no tissues. I'm good. <laughs> so did your family relate to the movie when they saw it? Oh, yeah, they loved it. Willow is probably the, the most emotional uh, art consumer in our family. So she loved it. She could feel um, even my growth as a parent from having embodied some of Richard's ideas. As an actor, when you play a character, you always take something yeah. away. There's some part of it that becomes you forever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the first things that yeah. Willow said. She was like, that's why you started calling me three times a day. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's awesome. Was she okay, like, okay, now, that's okay. too many times? She was like, yeah. she was like, okay, I get it, I get it. <laughs> You know, she's uh, you know, Venus Williams, who is your best friend? She was like, oh, okay, I get it. You're, you want to be my best friend now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, That's so sweet. That's so sweet. So, you know, there are families around the world that have dreams and ideas, and there's parents that want to help their kids to grow, you know. What is a piece of advice or wisdom knowing all of the pitfalls and difficulties that mm. they're going to have to embrace? I'll answer part of that. Know your children. Know your children. Know what they can do. Mm. Know what they're capable of. Push, but don't push very hard. Encourage. Make sure their mental health is fine because it's all here. Mm -hmm. More than anything else, it's all in your mental state of mind. I think you don't ever want naysayers to negate who you are. You got to know who you are. Don't let the haters dim your light. Yeah, don't let, don't them let dim the haters your light. dim your light. Because they, they gonna hate. No, the haters, the haters gonna hate. <laughs> Having a good support system is super important because I look at my mom and I'm like, how my dad at one point was working mm -hmm. and then he stopped. He's like, this is what we're gonna do. I'm not gonna have a job. Whoa. And I'm gonna go with Venus and Serena and train them every day. Now that 
would be impossible for me if my husband were to tell me that. Mm -hmm. I would be like, um, I've kind of worked my whole life trying to like relax a little bit, mm -hmm. but <laughs> she had to support seven people. Wow. It was a family of seven. And so to have that faith and to have that back-end support and to always know all the work that she's done and the humility that she continues to have and mm -hmm we wouldn't have survived without that. So it definitely takes a lot of support in ways that, you know, might not be the biggest story in mm -hmm. the room or mm -hmm. might not be the biggest thing, but it, it is the biggest thing that helped people make it. And we wouldn't have made it without that. Yeah, yeah. so well said. Because my mom was really the guiding force and, I, and you can see that with her words. Absolutely. She's so wise and fun, actually. She's <laughs> so much fun. And like She's you. very witty. We do hold our breath a lot sometimes when oh, she speaks in public. We'd be like, what is she going to say? You'd be stuck uh, a little bit. I think that's why she ended her Twitter account. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. 100% why she was forced to. But yeah, so yeah, it takes a lot of support in general. You, you, yeah. you, you have yeah. to have someone that's. And I want to add to that you. too is that that support should come within the family, if possible. And the, one of the best things that was ever told to us and why we're so close is that your sisters are your best friends. Mm. You're not allowed to fight. These two didn't follow suit, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> We became each other's biggest support because that's what we were told mm -hmm. to be. So if you can keep your family together and make that support within, that's the biggest support you'll ever mm -hmm. have in life. People are like waiting for this other shoe to drop. Like yeah, secretly are. we like hate each other mm -hmm. or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, like yeah. actually secretly we don't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> secretly this is it. Just having the faith that these people around this table will always be there. Yeah. Things happen. There, we don't always meet eye to eye. We don't always agree. But knowing that I can always go home, mm -hmm. it gives you so much courage to take that next step, to do that next thing. Yeah. We grew up in Compton, mm -hmm. but we had everything that we could have needed in war, even if they were shooting in the streets. Wow. So it's interesting. It doesn't really matter where you come from. It matters your values. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. That's beautiful. Very well said. I want to thank you all so much. It was one of the most um, magnificent honors of my career to be able to be in, inside of your journey and life and, and your family. Um, I think what you've done and who you are and who you continue to become is uh, spectacular. And I am humbled that you allowed me to be a part of telling your story uh, to the world. Oh, thank, thank, thank you. you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you. All right, we good? Thank you all so much. To join the Red Table Talk family and become a part of the conversation, follow us at facebook.com slash redtabletalk. Thanks for listening to this episode of Red Table Talk podcast, produced by Facebook Watch, Westbrook Audio, and iHeartRadio. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. 
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Everyone in our country has a voice. It's something that says not just where you come from, but who you are. Welcome to NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of podcasts and a celebration of the hosts in journalism who've always spoken truth to power. Our voices are as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, and stories should never be about us without us. Find NPR Black Stories, Black Truths on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.